the global race for central bank digital currencies, the Abrahamic uh, family house finally opens. The Israel-U.S. alliance prophesied in scripture. Some say it's time to divide Jerusalem. Iran is preparing for a nuclear weapon and yielding U.S. sovereignty to the World Health Organization. It's all prophetic and in today's headlines. We'll analyze these events on this edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of The End Time Show. There's so much going on in the news right now, and I, my, my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, years ago, he told me, he said, Dave, when I first started doing this, really getting involved and called into a prophetic ministry, he said I, he was getting, back then it was before the internet, this was back in the mid-60s, and he said, I would have to, you know, he was in, he was um, subscribed to uh, uh, many periodicals, the Jerusalem Post, uh, magazines, Newsweek, Time Magazine. He'd got, he, he would get stacks of them trying to figure this stuff out. He was getting them from everywhere. And he told me, he said, I would have to search and search and search just to try to find something that had to do with Bible prophecy. But he said, you know, just before he passed on in 2020, uh, he and I had many conversations and we both agreed that if you would give me basically any major news publication, I can always find one, two, three, sometimes five articles in there that have to do with Bible prophecy. Any major news source because things are converging at the same time. All of the prophecies, Mark of the Beast, uh, world religion, world government, the, the coming Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, things that surround that, the, this future World War III, many different things. They're all converging at the same time. And so on today's program, I wanted to cover just many things, one right after another, that lets us know we're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. As we do these programs, I'm teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. We're preparing you for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Part of Jesus teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God was to teach prophecy showing you how close we are to the second coming. Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse. That is Jesus teaching us about what's going to surround His second coming, events that would surround that, and many other prophetic portions, when he taught a lot of his parables, begin with, the kingdom of heaven is like this, the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's Jesus giving parables about the coming kingdom of God and how you can be a part of that and what that will look like in a parable format. So as I'm doing this, I'm showing you, I'm doing part of the gospel of the kingdom of God. I'm showing you. Here's how close we are to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then we give out brochures and DVDs and we talk about it, the gospel of the kingdom. How can you prepare yourself to be a part of that kingdom? Because that's most important, really. 
I mean, if you don't understand every nuance of every prophecy, that's okay. It's, it's really best that you do, but if you don't, if you can't get it all figured out in your mind, that's okay. As long as you're ready to meet the Lord when He comes back before very long. That's the absolute most important thing in your life. Am I ready to meet the Lord? Do I have a relationship with Him? And so, that's what we want to do here on the End Time Show. So, my first topic today would be precursors to the mark of the beast. Now, central bank digital currencies are one of the most, probably one of the most qualified events that are taking place that could lead us into a a mark of the beast type situation. Revelation 13, 16 through 17 says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And his number is 666. Well, it's economic sanctioning. The Antichrist, the false prophet, will come on the scene before very long and usurp authority all over an already fully functioning global numbering system. A, a system that can be used to economically sanction people, to have access to their bank accounts, to say what they can purchase with their money, or whether they can even purchase anything at all, to be able to function in society. Now folks, this is coming, and it's coming very quickly. I could tell you about many precursors to that. But what I'm going to focus on today in this first segment would be central bank digital currencies. The Bank for International Settlements, which is the central bank of the central banks around the world, it's the hub. It's located in um, Basel, Switzerland. They put out a report that 90% of the surveyed central banks are exploring central bank digital currencies. So not all, but just about all of them on the planet are looking into rolling out a central bank digital currency. Well, CNBC reported that the global central bank digital currency race is really heating up. Several countries, including China, Hong Kong, and India, have already launched their digital currency pilot programs. Finextra reported that the Bank of Japan has kicked off a CDC pilot program they will this April. Cointelegraph that Russia is to roll out a central bank digital currency pilot in April. San Francisco, their federal bank. You know that you understand there, there's like the Federal Bank of Dallas, and there's the Federal Bank of San Francisco. There's one of New York, the Fed banks. They're eyeing a central bank digital currency uh, rollout in before very long. The central banking uh, reported that cent, uh, central bank digital currencies in Laotian uh, Central Bank, they launched a central bank digital currency pilot. Uh, the Bank of England has launched the Digital Pound Central Bank Digital Currency Project. United Arab Emirates, I mean, it's all over the world. Business Standard has reported that the Bank of India has reported that the, they, the recently launched retail central bank digital currency, their pilot has 50,000 users already, 
and, and have 5,000 merchants included in that. So when Joe, um, Joe Biden said here in the United States, when he issued that, when he signed that one um, executive order, he said, well, the United States is gonna, just going to look into doing this. You can tell that's simply, he's not looking into doing it. He's wanting to do it. That's why did he sign the executive order? And with most of the nations, most of the, most of the developed nations looking into going ahead and doing this, it's something that's coming right down the pike. And I'm telling you, if you tie that in with Bible prophecy, you can see how it's coming to pass. I'll get a little more deeper into it on the backside of this break. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. You know, everyone, the... The central bank digital currencies, once you understand what the central banks are, then it becomes very uh, uh, totalitarian because the central bank, the, our central bank here in the United States, the, the Fed, the Federal Reserve Bank, they are a cabal of private bankers. We've talked about that many times. They're a cabal of private bankers. Well. A central bank digital currency would give the central bank absolute control over your bank account. What money goes out, what money you can put into it, what, what the money can be spent on, because these central bank digital currencies are going to be programmable. No, you cannot. They can program it that you can't buy a gas stove, let's say, if they wanted to um, go down that road, right? Or you can't, uh, let's say they wanted to really go against the 
oil and gas industry. No, you can only buy, uh, you can't buy gas or you can't purchase oil or, you know, I mean, I'm just saying if these things are programmable, this is something that we're talking about. And so imagine a group of private bankers, not the government. And hey, I mean, do you trust the government? Number one. But this, this, the Federal Reserve Bank is a cabal of private bankers. And they are the ones controlling out the economy of the United States. Well, this is how the Bank for International Settlements and these global bankers are controlling the economies of the world because developed nations have central banks. The, the sociable back on September 27th of last year, they reported that France's central bank, the, the Bank of France, held an international roundtable in which central bankers from the United States and the European Union confirmed that digital dollars and euros, should they go forward, would not be anonymous. So in other words, these central bank digital currencies would require some form of a digital identity scheme. Hear that? See, the central bank digital currencies also run the risk of having every transaction recorded while being fully programmable, which means central banks and their customers could have control over where, when, and how your money is spent. Now remember, remember the prophecy. Everybody would be given their own unique identification number without which they would not be able to buy or sell. Now you can see the, the, the ominous part of these central bank digital currencies. I, I hope it's never implemented here in the United States. Cash is freedom. When you go digital, then all it is is a press of a button, folks, and they can cut off your bank account. Now, you'll read articles that say, oh no, this is, we, we all have good intentions. Do you really believe that? The, the, the Federal Reserve, the, the Bank for International Settlements, the, all of these central banks around the world controlling the economies, they've got them in a firm grip already. I mean, our interest rates in America, we're supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave, right? Our interest rates in America are set by the Federal Reserve, not the Congress. Our Constitution gives the Congress the power to do that, a group of elected officials. But in America the Federal Reserve Bank, our central bank does it. And so they control the economy here in America, really. And But yet, they're wanting to put out their own digital dollar. Isn't, aren't you going to sleep better tonight hearing about that? And they're looking into doing it. Uh, I, I, I read the other day where the guy who's over our Fed said that it could be a couple years away if we do it. But they're part of a group of central banks, which is, and the hub of that is the Bank for International Settlements. They're all tied together. It's not like one bank can just decide, well, we're just not going to do that here. I, I would hope they would do that here in the United States. I hope that we would have governors and different people, that, and the, the, uh, the, the Republicans that are not rhinos, that are actually truly individuals who are pro-America would stand against this and say, no, we're absolutely not going to allow that to happen. Hopefully there are some people left with enough backbone to do that. 
while he was um, speaking at the International Monetary Fund in a seminar back on October 19th of 2020, the Bank for International Settlements General Manager Augustin Karstens, he explained that a central bank digital currency gives the central bank both absolute control over the use of central bank digital currencies along with the technology to enforce that control. That is a direct quote from the guy who runs the Bank for International Settlements, folks. He said, and I'm quoting, we tend to establish the equivalence with cash and there is a huge difference there. He said that back in 2020. The guy's name is Karstens. Karsten. He said, I'm quoting, for example, in cash, when people use cash, the us, the central bankers, don't know, for example, who's using a $100 bill. Or we don't know who's using a 1,000 peso bill today. He says, a key difference with a central bank digital currency is this. Here's the goal behind all of it. He says the central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that expression of the central bank liability and also we will have the technology to enforce that. Now that's what they want to do. Central bank digital currencies are not being put out to protect you, the populace. No, no, no. That's not what this is all about. It's about control by the central banks. They do not like people with uh, the Bitcoin and all these other cryptocurrencies. They can't stand that. It's galling them that they can't control it. It's decentralized. So they want to issue central bank digital currencies because the leader of the, the, digi- the uh, Bank for International Settlements, Karstens, he said, we don't know who's spending cash. We want to have the ability to control with these central bank digital currencies. Now, you, I'm reading articles today that all across the world, people are putting, Russia, all these major nations are putting out pilot programs, pilot programs on how would this work? How does this work across the border in Russia and China and China and Hong Kong and all these different places? How does this work? And um, that's what's happening with these central bank digital currencies. He says, uh, Karsten said, those two issues are extremely important and that makes a huge difference with respect to what cash is. Now, you'll read articles and they'll say, well, we're not really wanting to do away with cash. We're not going to go to a cashless society. We're just going to kind of help with this digital dollar system so we can... Uh, help with the, you know, th- we can protect you, the American population, from the uh, these Bitcoin that people, so many people have been taken advantage of. So we, the government, and this private cabal of bankers, the central bank digital, uh, the central banks, we want to protect you against Bitcoin, which is decentralized. In other words, they can't control it, so we want to roll out our own so we can control that, Right? And so that's what's going on with all, with all this talk about these central bank digital currencies. So it's very important that we understand these things and what's going on because remember the prophecy. The Antichrist will usurp authority over a already fully functioning global identification system and a global numbering system so that he will be able to economically sanction individuals. I'm telling you, this central bank digital currencies is... Man, I mean, the characteristics of it just is pointing us straight at a time in the future 
of this economic sanctioning by a world governing body. Imagine the Antichrist saying, I want control, this world leader in the future, I want control over the system of central bank digital currencies in the future. We're watching precursors to this right now, folks. Okay. The, let's talk about the um, Abrahamic family house that was just opened. Site Magazine published an article, The Abrahamic Family House Changes All the Rules of Interfaith Understanding. On Thursday, February 16th, the United Arab Emirates officially opened the Abrahamic Family House. It, it it's, uh, consists of a mosque, a church, and a synagogue. Or Muslims, Christians, and Jews are represented there. And these big buildings face one another on the same square down in Abu Dhabi. And beside each one stands a tall pillar illuminating an Islamic crescent, a Christian cross, and a Jewish menorah, respectively, shining a hopeful light for interfaith tolerance and understanding. Something good is happening in the, in the desert, they say. I don't say it's good. They say it's good. But they say, will it make a lasting difference? The road to the opening of the Abrahamic family house began with Pope Francis uh, back in February of 2019 in the United Arab Emirates where he, and I'm still quoting from the article here and then I'll get into what I want to say, where he met with the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar, Ahmed Al-Taib. He was the leader of the oldest Islamic educational institute in the world, and Pope Francis. And they met, that their meeting together ended with their signing the document on human fraternity which set ambitious goals to foster interfaith understanding. Well, so a lot of people that are reading these articles are saying, wow, this is awesome, this Abrahamic family house. All these religions are going to get together and it's going to be peaceful and it's just going to be, hey, kumbaya and... Uh, this is really a good thing. Maybe the religions that have the, these doctrinal differences and the beliefs in so many gods and who is God and who is Jesus and did Jesus die on the cross, let's, they're, they're going to push that aside and it's just going to be tolerance and everybody's going to get along and it's going to be wonderful, right? No, it's not. Why? Because here comes Bible prophecy. We're going to look at everything from a prophetic perspective. Bible prophecies foretell the establishment of a global religious system in the end time. And according to Scripture, the leader of this most deceitful organization in the future is going to have two objectives. Number one, unite the world's religions under one belief system of tolerance. Doesn't matter what you believe, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. You can believe in one God, I'll believe in thousands of gods and or I can worship the earth or I can worship the sun or I can worship idols. Let's just tolerate everything. It's just tolerance. And also he's, this future religious leader is going to use his position to influence all adherents, regardless of what you believe, to align with and pledge allegiance to the prophesied world government 
that the Antichrist will run. That's going to be the goal of all of this. Well, there, all of these recent events that we're seeing are confirming what we who understand and systematically analyze Bible prophecy have known for years. That this world religion is already in the latter stages of its formation and the world's most recognized religious leaders are beseeching the world to commit and adhere to the global governing efforts of the United Nations, the seat of world government in the earth today. In all these big religious meetings, they're talking about sustainable development, the sustainable world we're trying to create, a, a, a global order, the global ethic at the Parliament of World's Religions talks about uh, we need to sink our narrow differences for the cause of the world order. Because they realize, Gorbachev said that we need to do away with all religious exclusive individuals because one of the major conflicts on the earth is conflicts between religions. So anybody that doesn't want to get on board with this world religious system, he actually said we need to kill them off. We need to extirpate them. Now read his book, Perestroika. So the mastermind, who's the mastermind behind this world religious system? Well, it's not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the mastermind behind the true church of Jesus Christ, but not this global religious system, because this global religious system is built on compromise, just tolerance. It's not built on the truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Bible does not say that there are even two truths. The Bible says you shall know the singular, the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I, you know, it's just the way it goes. This is Bible 101. So, the mastermind behind all this, Revelation 13. Revelation 13, the entire chapter is a snapshot of Satan's effort to build his kingdom on the earth. In the end time. That's what it is. Read Revelation 13. Revelation 13, 1-8 describes the one world government and the leader of that entity, the Antichrist. Revelation 13, 2 says, And the dragon give him his power, seat, and great authority. The dragon, who is the mastermind behind the current effort to govern the earth, is Satan. The current efforts to the, behind the world government being created right now is Satan. You wonder why there's so much lies, deceit, propaganda that's building up this world governing body? That's because the father of liars is the driver behind that. You say, Dave, now come on, that's conspiracy theory. No, no. There's a spiritual being that is driving the efforts. He's trying to establish his physical kingdom here on the earth, folks. That's the efforts of world government. That's why the George Soros's and all these people that are doing horrible things and, and promoting, trying to buy off people and just people that are doing horrible debauchery in their lives that are running the world that's why because they are they don't have a right mind they've given their mind over to something that's not the not very good the symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world in his final work Revelation the unveiling of Jesus Christ part 2 the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding, 
Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Now, I, I know that you're sitting there saying, oh, Dave, come on, man, the dragon, that's China. Or, you know, Satan, give it its seat, power, and great authority. Come on. Well, Revelation 12, 9 explains that, the, the, it says, uh, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. So the dragon in Revelation 13 is Satan. Revelation 13, 7 tells us that, <clears throat> It's going to be a world government and power was given to him over all kindreds and uh, tongues and nations. Revelation 13, 11 through 15. So remember that. When you talk about the United Nations and all of these efforts to build these world governing bodies, the World Health Organization, World Trade Organization, who's the mastermind behind all of this, these entities that govern the planet? It's Satan himself. I know, that's, I know that there are people that are saying, well, that's conspiracy theory. Not if you understand Bible prophecy. This is a war between Satan and God. It's, it, Satan's trying to establish his physical kingdom here on the earth because he knows he had about a short time left. Satan knows about the time. You remember then when Jesus was casting um, all of the demons out of legion and the... the um, demons said, Why, we know who you are, thou holy son of God. Why have you come to persecute us before the time? They know there's a time when it's going to be over. The Bible says in uh, Revelation 12, when Satan is, there's a war in heaven. Michael and his archangels overcome Satan and his angels and bind them to the earth. And the Bible says that the devil comes down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he hath but a short time. How does he know that? Because Satan has heard this, the kingdom of God talked about his, since he fell. It's been, the kingdom of God has been talked about um, throughout the Old and New Testament. That the time when a Messiah would come back. Many of the Old Testament prophesies, prophecies prophesied about it. And the Bible says that when he, he knows, when he comes down, he knows that he hath but a short time and he persecutes Israel and the true church of Jesus Christ. Okay, so world religion. Revelation 13, 11 through 15 describes this world religion and the leader of that entity, referring to, and he's referred to in Revelation 19, 20 as the false prophet. So this prophesied world religion 
Jesus prophesied concerning the end time that religious leaders would deceive many with their false teachings. The Bible says, and Jesus answered and said, they asked Jesus, uh, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age, the time of your second coming? What's that going to look like? The first words out of his mouth, Jesus said, take heed that no man deceives you. Many will come in my name and deceive, uh, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. What does that mean? Yes, there will be people that claim to be the Messiah, but also there will be people that appear to be Christians that say, hey, we're Christians. But the, Jesus said, but they're going to say they're Christians, but they're going to be deceiving many. In another place, the Bible says that there will be people that appear before the Lord someday and say, hey, Lord, didn't we do many mighty great works in your name and all these different things? And he's going to say, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. You taught, you didn't teach the full truth. You say you're a Christian, you had a church, but you did not teach the full truth. So you cannot come to be with me. You deceived people. Jesus said there would be people like that. Many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, I'm a Christian, and shall deceive many. That's Matthew 24, 4-5. Deception is going to be the method used by the false prophet, this future religious leader, to create this one world religious system. It's going to be, a, he, he's going to say, let's just compromise. Let's just have tolerance. Let's, let's push the doctrines of the Bible and all, every, all these religious doctrines. Let's compromise here. And let's just, you know, your religion, you can believe what you want to believe. You can believe your truth. If you want to believe in thousands of gods, that's okay. Who am I to judge, right? He'll say, who, you, you believe in, you over here, you believe in worship and whatever you want to believe, who am I to judge? <clears throat> so, although the world religion is mentioned in other scriptures, go to chapter 17 and 18 of Revelation, I'm going to focus on a particular prophecy found in Revelation 13, 11 through 15. I'm going to go through it quickly here. It says, And I beheld another beast. The first beast was the world government and the Antichrist. John said, I beheld to another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, spake like a dragon, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and, and um, deceive them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. And he says to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the beast I'm sorry, would not worship the image of the beast, that they should be killed. Now, you say, wow, that, that's a mouthful. Well, from these scriptures, we learn many things, right, about this end-time world religion. From verse 11, it says, And he had two horns like a lamb, spake like the dragon. When you read about the, the lamb of God in scripture, most of us think about Jesus Christ, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. However, this beast, he looks like the lamb, but he speaks like the dragon. So he, he, he's, you know, remember the dragon is Satan. So this second beast will resemble, he's going to resemble Jesus. He's going to be a religious leader. 
People are going to look to him for answers. But he's going to speak like the devil. He's going to have a message of deception. Satan can't even tell the truth. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. The truth is not in him. So, an individual that is serving him, a message of deception, folks. The, this leader, the leader of this world religious system, the false prophet, he's going to be the, one of the most, well, he will be the most recognized religious leader on the planet. Number two, what do we learn from these scriptures? Well, if you go to verse 12, the Bible says, He exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and he causes the earth and them to dwell therein to worship the first beast. So the false prophet's ulterior motive will be to use his global influence to unite the religions of the world. Remember the Abrahamic family house. To unite the religions of the world and then cause them to worship or pledge allegiance to the Antichrist and his world governing system. You say, wow, Dave, you're, you're kind of stretching it here. No, no, I'm walking right down Revelation 13, folks. Follow along with me. So, if you think about what, what he's going to want to do is he's going to want to unite all the religions of the world. That's why we always talk about the Parliament of World's Religions, the United Religions Initiatives, the um, Religions for Peace, all of these big organizations that their goal is to just have these big interfaith movements and all of these, let's just all get along in the name of peace and tolerance. Just... You know, uh, the, the, the uh, global ethic that is, um, that is almost worshipped at the Parliament of World's Religion, this global belief system that was pinned by Hans Kuhn, it says, let's sink our narrow differences for the cause of this world order. Sink our narrow differences. Uh, was Jesus God or was He not? Did Jesus die on the cross or did He not? Narrow differences? Is there one God or is there thousands of gods? I mean, that's the difference. It's the absolute truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So that's why we've got to go by the Bible. This is our truth, folks. This 31,000 plus verses that God gave us, this road map to heaven, that is the absolute truth. What does Deuteronomy 6.4? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's only one God. That's what this book says. So for me to come along thousands of years after this book was written, say, well, that's but just a bunch of myths and fairy tales, and I think I might just believe in 20 gods. doesn't work like that. I have to believe in what this book teaches because this is my roadmap out of here. So... I can't, be a, I can't, I can't uh, recognize and participate and support this Abrahamic family house. Can't do that because I'm not into interfaithism. I never will be into interfaithism. Can't do that. The, I, I, it's like diving in the quicksand and trying to help people. If, if you see somebody in quicksand, you got to stand on the bank where there's safety and you throw them a rope, and then you pull them out. You, when somebody's in the quicksand, you don't go diving off in the quicksand after them because you're going to go down with them. And that's what happens if you get involved in these interfaith movements is that you're going to go with them. 
They're not going to come to be with you. You're going to be with them. We need to throw them a lifeline and say, hey, let me show you what a book that Almighty God left us. Let me show you what this says. Okay, so I'm not preaching today. I'm just talking about the Abrahamic family house. But wow, I need to get me a pulpit and drive in, pull in here because, uh, man, come on. This is, going to be, this is what's going to get us to heaven. Very important. Now, okay, uniting all religions. Let me get back. The um, Christians, if you're going to, if you're going to unite, all, unite all the religions of the world, why not start with the two main ones, right? I mean, um, Christians have about what? 2.4, 2.5 billion followers on the earth today. And I'm going to say loosely Christians. Some people call them Christians. And when you see how they act, you kind of scratch your head and go, you're a Christian? Muslims claim about 1.9 billion adherents. So together, they make up what? Uh, over, four, um, over 4 billion. So they make up close to half the world's population. 4 point, what, 3 or 4. So if you were going to start a, a global religious system in 2023, what would you do? Why not start with these two religions? you got to get those belief systems together. And then, of course, we've got to add in the Jews because we're calling this the Abrahamic family house. So, to unite these two religions seems utterly impossible, right? Think of it. If you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus was God, manifest in the flesh. Christians believe Jesus was God, manifest in a fleshly form, and that He died on the cross to purchase our salvation. Muslims deny Jesus was God or that He died on the cross. Now, is that a narrow difference? The essence of the Christian belief system is the gospel that Jesus Christ was in fact God. The Bible says, He that cometh to God must first believe that He is, that there is a God, and that He's a reward of them that diligently seek Him. So you got to believe, absolutely. And then you have to believe, the, the, the Apostle Paul said, I deliver unto you the gospel that was delivered unto me, it's the good news that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. So, you believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then you've got a hope of eternal life that when He comes back, you will rise and go to be with Him from what He did on Calvary. So Jesus said a man must be born again to enter the kingdom. Muslims don't believe in being born again at all. So how can you marry these two things and just say, well, in the name of tolerance, Let's just get along. Okay, you guys, we're going to really move when we get back because I'm, I'm spending too much time. But man, there's so much going on today where everybody's just, there's so much tolerance and tolerance is being preached. I got to stay with the truth. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, 
please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Okay, everybody, see if I can wrap up this section here. We may have to cover some more on uh, Wednesday. Well, I think, I think Wednesday I may have a, a, um, an interview with a guy who's in education. I think you'll be very interested to hear that. But anyway, we'll figure this in the near future. But to devise a way to unite these two religions, think about that. How would you do that? That would mean major compromises, right? And compromises with the teachings of the Bible. If a level of tolerance could be reached where Christians would believe and teach that Muslims are saved, what would that look like? Well, let's talk about establishing kind of like a Christian-Muslim brotherhood because this is what happened that resulted in this Abrahamic family house that's been created. And like I said, you remember back on in February of 2019, this grand imam, Ahmed El-Taib, and he, he's really considered to be one of the, the, probably the most important imam in Sunni Islam. And Pope Francis, he claims to be the head of the quote-unquote Christian world, signed this historic document, the document on human fraternity for world peace and living together. together. This is the document that inspired this Abrahamic family house that has this synagogue, church, and a mosque in Abu Dhabi. So, pretty important, right? I mean, you're talking about tens of millions of dollars to build this big complex. These are not chicken shacks. These are gigantic, massive buildings. And this signing of this document inspired all that. Go, go look online for the Abrahamic Family House and look at, the, look at that complex. Wow. It's giant. The text of that this document states that this is a document that invites all persons who have faith in God and faith in human fraternity to unite. Now, this is the thing that we need to talk about really quick. Man, I'm never going to get through all this, but I'm trying. When people, it's, it's very easy to say God. Everybody says they believe in God nowadays, unless you're atheist or agnostic. Everybody would say, I believe in God. But who is God? Would you call Brahma God? Would you call Muhammad God? Would you call, um, I don't know, Vishnu God? Who do you say God is? Who is your God? It's a great question, isn't it? Because these interfaith movements are saying God, God, God. They don't ever refer to Jesus as the one who came and died on the cross for us, which is the whole the essence of Christianity, Jesus. But yet there are so many people that believe in all kinds of things. And, and you say, Dave, you don't love them. I absolutely love them. I, in loving them, I'm telling them the truth. And this, this is the essence of all of this stuff, folks is standing by the truth of the Word of God. 
So, this Abrahamic, this document invites all persons of, who have faith in God and faith in human fraternity to unite and work together so that it may serve as a guide for future generations to advance a culture of mutual respect in the awareness of the great divine grace that makes all human beings brothers and sisters. Now that's a mouthful. I was quoting there from the document. So the meeting and the document, they'll be viewed by many as two religious leaders uniting their followers in a call for peace, right? However, for those of us who understand Bible prophecy, it's much more than that. The goal is not to bring other religions to salvation. We know that because the church is declaring that these people are already saved. If the, the, the church part of this, for instance, the most recent Catholic catechism, it, it was issued in 94. It states that the Muslims are already saved. Go look it up. The churches, it says that the church's relationship with the Muslims, the, the plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator in the first place, amongst whom are the Muslims. These profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge on the last day. That is in the Catholic Catechism, Topic 3, Section 841. I, I was in, I remember uh, I was in uh, Half Price Brooks here, here a while back, and I saw that. And I, again, I took the picture and I sent it to Doug Norvell, and I said, D it's still in there. So remember, Muslims deny Jesus was God or that He died on the cross. The true objective of interfaith meetings and agreements like this document on human fraternity for world peace and living together is tolerance of all religious faiths, really in the spirit of Vatican II. So I want you to consider the two statements in the document. Number one, they said that the pluralism and diversity of religions is willed by God in His wisdom. The plurality. Uh, in other words, the belief that there can be more than one religions, that that's willed by God. Uh, not if you read the Bible. Number two, therefore, the fact that people are forced to adhere to a certain religion or culture must be rejected. To teach your children that there is only one way to heaven and, it, and that's found in the Bible, they say in this document that must be rejected. Why? Because they're trying to marry all kinds of religions together in this Abrahamic family house. And, you know, and so this kind of stuff, it sounds nice on the surface, but there's an enormous problem with these statements. The coexistence or tolerance of more than one religion or doctrine is diametrically opposed to the Bible. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He said, I, Jesus, John, this is John 14, 6. I am the way, I am the truth. So, there, I am the, I am the, singular, I am the way. There's only one way. I am the truth, the only one truth, and the life. There's only one way into life eternal. Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, how would Jesus... All of you that consider yourselves Christians, which I'm going to say that's probably most of you out there, how would Jesus fit into these interfaith movements? He wouldn't, would He? At all. 
Jesus would not fit in from day one. Because this document on human fraternity that they signed, they said that the teachings that an individual should adhere to one religion, that should be rejected. But Jesus said, uh-uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus wouldn't even be able to participate in these interfaith movements. Think about that. So when I think about this Abrahamic family house and all of the pomp and circumstance that's going on around that, I want to make sure that you don't get caught up in that and say, wow, these buildings are mesmerizing. They're beautiful. and This must be a good thing. I'll never participate in any of that. There may come a time when I have, would visit an interfaith meeting, maybe some of those things at the United Nations or the Parliament of World's Religions, just to see, to get the inside scoop on everything, but never to participate in any of it. My father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, years ago attended a couple of those meetings and has talked about it in many of his writings and different things, things that happen at the Parliament of World's Religions and the things that they try to get you to participate in and these interfaith prayers and all these different things. I might go to one of their meetings because of that. But not something that I could condone or would want to wholeheartedly participate in. Uh, couldn't do that. Because I'm, I'm Bible. I'm Bible, folks. We're going to stick by the Bible because there's one truth. And Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father by, by me. So, that's where we're at. Now, that's, the Abraham, that's, that's, my, that's my take on the Abrahamic family house that just opened. Um, let me shift gears on you and try to get through something else here before the end of the program. The Jerusalem Post published an article. Israel, Israel that the U.S. planned to veto this U.N. Security Council resolution on the settlements, and the Palestinian Authority knew it. So I'll give you a brief synopsis of this. The Israel was going to, they, you know, they've got a very right-wing religious government. So what they were going to do is they approved for housing to be built in the settlements out in, the, in Judea, the modern-day West Bank. And the Palestinian Authority, they just blew up over that because they see Israel illegally occupying that territory, which they're not. It's disputed. They're not illegally occupying it. That's in the mind of the international community. But, of course, the Palestinian Authority, they would love to just annihilate Israel and get rid of them out of, out of that land, the promised land. So they were bringing a resolution before the UN Security Council to come against that effort of Israel and to, um, to possibly pass a resolution against them or to, there was a vote coming up, and to push forward this resolution condemning this Israel settlement, settlement activity. Well, the Palestinian Authority knew, and many of the, many of the UN Security Council uh, people knew that we were going to veto that. So the United Arab Emirates 
they were expected to push this uh, resolution, but they stopped. And the Palestinian Authority knew why, because we were going to, to use our veto power to um, veto that resolution on our UN Security Council. You understand the big five, um, Great Britain, China, uh, Russia, the United States, and France have veto power over anything the UN Security Council does, the victor, victor nations of World War II. So we were going to veto that. We've used our veto 40 plus times since the 70s to protect Israel. And there was one time under the Obama administration that they allowed one to pass, which was a horrible one. Uh, resolution 2334. But we this time we were still under the, get this, under the Biden administration. We were going to protect Israel against the UN Security Council. They knew it. They pulled that off the table. So I want to know, even though, I want you to know, even though uh, that times are bleak, and it appears that way, and it looks like times are dark and that everything is going against the church in Israel, God is still in control. God said in the end time, the United States will stand with Israel. The eagle will stand with the woman in Revelation 12, 14, all the way through to the end. Here, you see what was going to happen. They were going to pass a resolution or try to against Israel's efforts to expand their settlements in the West Bank, the, the, modern, uh, the biblical Judea, and the United States was going to veto that. And so they just pulled the resolution off the table. They didn't even vote on it. And so it's, it, it lets me know, which I know anyway, but it lets me know one more time that the prophecies are still going to come to pass no matter what, no matter how bleak it looks, no matter how, how impossible it looks. The prophecies are going to come to pass. This is the United States-Israel alliance, even under the Biden administration, folks. So, God knows how this whole thing's going to play out. And it's playing out in intricate detail. The prophecies are coming to pass very quickly now. And we are just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. God bless you.